This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride going to join us here momentarily. This is Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. Chiefs Bills, primetime tonight, Sunday night football. The Chiefs were so historically great last week, last year on primetime, as uh, we said that two weeks ago, and they dropped one to Baltimore, but nonetheless, a get right opportunity. Not, not a get right opportunity. Last week was the get right opportunity, and uh, the Chiefs defense allowed Philly to put 30 on him, but it was a garbage time touchdown to Greg Ward. So really it was closer to 23, but nonetheless, like if there were ever a time to show that there are improvements, tangible improvements to be made on this defense tonight would be the night. How likely is that? We'll find out. Let's talk about it. Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead pride joining us now on the show. Pete, what's happening, man? How you doing? Do we have uh Pete Sweeney. Good morning, Nick. Hey, Pete, what's up, man? How you doing? I made it through. I made it through. I'm, I'm on. Happy to hear your voice. Thank you once again for joining me. The defense is what everybody is is kind of watching with a magnifying glass right now, Pete, trying to figure out if there are any improvements coming. doesn't sound like there's any reinforcements coming, but everybody's just waiting for this team to show some sort of improvement. What would that look like? If we are to see any step in the right direction in your estimation, what would it look like? I, I just, I, I think sometimes you go to a little bit of the eye test. Like right now, it to me, it just feels like offenses are simply just having their way with the Chiefs defense. They're able to get down the field. I, I think we saw signs of progress last week with a couple of those red zone stops. But you gotta, you gotta build on that. Now, Frank Clark should be back in the lineup, but you're wondering is Chris Jones going to play after not practicing all week? We'll wonder if Willie Gay. Uh, will be active after or being questionable. We're not really sure about Traverius Ward either. And the more of these guys, I think, that, that can get in the game, the Chiefs defense is, is going to be better for it. Uh, so uh, the inactives that come out 10 to 6, 10 minutes to, to 6, 550, uh, it's just a huge part of it for me because uh, I think you're going to need some stops at a certain point. I, I think this game feels like a shootout, but if you're going to win a shootout at some point, you got to stop the other team, uh, whether that be early in the game or late in the game. Do you think there's any chance Chris Jones goes tonight? Well, 
thing that Andy Reid has, has told us is that Chris Jones could play without having practice, and they really just wanted to to get uh, his his wrists off the field, essentially, to try to what, what Andy Reid has described to calm it down. Uh, so what what I suspect is, is he's going to go through warm ups in pregame and, and kind of see where they're at. I, I think it's gotten to a point where. Uh, they've realized that the wrist injury is affecting everything that Chris Jones does well. And so I, I think it'll be up to the training staff and, and to see how he feels. I, I do think there's a chance he plays, um, but again, it'll really be determined as to how he feels on the, in, in the, on the field pregame. Yeah, because when you get into sort of the minutia of uh, the, the, the issues this defense has, has had so far this season, you could go to every single level and, and find issues and things that need to get better. But in terms of like where the Chiefs actually have a chance of of improving or where you would expect them to, you have to start with the pass rush, right? Because coming into the year, that was the one unit that we looked at and said, okay, Chris Jones, moving him to the outside, Frank Clark, if you can even get a, a minor improvement or, or for him right. to look somewhat like the guy he looked like in 2020, then like this is a unit that can at least be competitive. That hasn't been the case so far this year. Like That's sort of the non-negotiable versus this Bills offense, right? Like If you're going to have a chance to get any stops, like the pass rush has to be somewhat disruptive. Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about the offensive line this way and chemistry that goes along with it. I think injuries have really hurt the, the defensive line. I mean, Jaron Reed has been underwhelming, but you no, know, he, he he lining up there was supposed to be with a healthy Frank Clark and, and a completely healthy Chris Jones. And who knows if those guys were all ticking, maybe everyone would be better for it. You're seeing opposing teams kind of taking him out of any kind of impact that he can have. On the game, and and it's just a it's a it's a case of injuries for this defensive line because you have Frank Clark coming back, and and supposedly he's healthy and, and good to go. He did not come with the status, meaning he, he should play at least some snaps. And then all of a sudden, you're not sure if Chris Jones is so is going to be in the lineup. So I, I think it's just a matter of getting a line healthier. I also think that the emergence of Mike Dana has helped. So let's say Frank Clark can get back to maybe just, let's say, two-thirds of where he was, and now you have Dana, and then eventually maybe a healthy Chris Jones, if he does wind up sitting out this game. I think as it gets healthier, that will make the other players better. It's, it's really hurt Jaron Reed that these edge players have not been the ones that he was supposed to be playing with. And so I, I'm, I'm not sure when it's going to happen. It probably won't happen tonight, given the Chris Jones status. But uh, as soon as this defensive line can get fully healthy, I think that's when you get to see a little bit more of the, the pass rush, um, you know, kind of start to impact games uh, like we expected in the preseason. Pete, it's been really rough for this linebacker unit so far this season. Willie Gay Jr., uh, I don't, I don't, it's been a weird 48 hours for him. He was uh, uh, excused from practice for personal reasons. He had this sort of nebulous tweet about his mental health not being in a good place. Uh, what's the latest on Willie Gay Jr.? And just in terms of the impact that that he could have on this defense, like does that move the needle at all for you? Yeah, I think the Chiefs will do right by by Willie Gay. They they said as long as he's kind of feeling good and and, and is all right to go, I, I think they're going to put him in this game. I think activating him yesterday is a sign that he's probably going to be active tonight, just because. That's not a move you have to do for another, it would have been like 15, 16 days. You get a 21-day window once uh, someone returns to practice from injury reserve. So there'd almost be no point of activating him on Saturday if you didn't expect there was a real chance that he would play on Sunday. 
And I think the Chiefs have really missed Willie Gay. I think they were going to rely on him at that second level to be that lateral sideline to sideline speed guy where, you know, sometimes you'll see these running backs and these rushing quarterbacks where they'll get these big gains on the Chiefs. And you're just like, can someone at the second level of defense chase these guys down? Nick Bolton has struggled. Ben Neiman has struggled. Anthony Hitchens has been a little bit better than last year, but he's just simply not as fast as Willie Gay. And so I think tracking some of these guys down, that's where Willie Gay will come in, and what might be eight-yard gains, for example, may turn to four, and all of a sudden that may make the difference. I also think, like, there, there's this tendency right now to always go for it on fourth down against the Chiefs. Willie Gay is the type of player that can make some of those stops, and I don't know how often that that'll continue to happen if all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes is getting short field because teams are going for it on fourth down midfield, and I think Willie Gay is a huge part of that, like stopping and bucking that trend. So we'll see. I tend to think he plays, but again, you never know at this point. We'll figure that out around 6 p.m. Yeah, and the Bills, it, their offense has looked a little bit different this year. I mean, they, they used to, last year, they put so much on Josh Allen's plate, and to his credit, he was fantastic. Finished second in MVP voting this year been a little different you get Emmanuel Sanders another option in the passing game spreading the ball out a little bit more um and you're relying upon your your running backs to actually be a part of the running game it's not just Josh Allen running the ball Zach Moss getting involved Devin Singletary as efficient as he's ever been like going into this game without knowing like do you just sort of expect the Bills to sort of rely upon that running game and, and daring the Chiefs linebackers to get tackles in open field yeah, I think that's I think that's the way you beat the Chiefs um, is trying to dictate the, the the time of possession game and and really the amount of possessions more than the time of possession, and then using those limited possessions to score touchdowns. And I, I think the run game is huge there. And the Buffalo Bills have really good one-two punch: uh, Devin Singletary and, and Zach Moss. And I expect them to have some success now. That works so long as, like, at a certain point, you're able to stop Patrick Mahomes. And the Bills are coming in with one of the better defenses in the league, you know, top one, two, uh, real, real high um, level of performance so far now. They haven't played a ton of tough teams. They haven't played anyone like Patrick Mahomes. We'll see if that makes a difference. But if you're the Buffalo Bills, yeah, you gotta, you got to run. you got to have some of that ball control. And then the key to all, all of it is you have to score touchdowns. And so... We'll see what the Buffalo Bills um, are wind up doing when it comes to uh, a game plan, but you're you're 100% correct. This year it's just been a little bit more of a balanced attack, whereas last year it felt like the Josh Allen show and with his sidekick Stephon Diggs. To, to me, they're they're doing a little bit more of that balanced football, which really is what every head coach aims for. They want uh, a balanced attack more so than just um, the the one dimensional type of offense, and I think that's what you're seeing in these Buffalo Bills. Talking to Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead Pride here on Bink Sunday, 610 Sports Radio. Yeah, on the other side of the ball, Chiefs offense, it's it's sort of weird. You're second in the league in points per game. I think it's 33 and a half through the first month of the season. Yet you have seven turnovers. I believe that is fifth most in the NFL. Those two things don't seem like they are compatible, but that's, I guess, what happens when you have Patrick Mahomes. Like 30,000 foot view of this offense so far this year. Um, some things uncharacteristic, some things like we've come to expect, sort of like historically great and separating themselves from the pack. What is sort of your big-picture view of what we've seen from the offense through the first month? I just think that that's the reason the Chiefs probably like aren't undefeated, right? As bad as the defense has played, it typically doesn't matter because the offense is so good, but you saw in those two losses that there were turnovers. So, so, so long as the Chiefs can clean up their turnovers, I mean – 
you can almost let up 30 points like we saw last week, and the Chiefs offense is typically going to be putting up enough touchdowns to win the game. And so I, I think if, if they can just emphasize uh, the ball security, and you saw that Mahomes had a bad interception last week, but then he responded with, with the five touchdowns. Like, to me, as if the Chiefs offense plays efficient football and doesn't give the ball away, I mean, they're going to win 90% of games. And so that, that's, it's just a simple fact. And you saw the problem with the turnovers in back-to-back games. The Chiefs addressed it. Eric Bieniemy came out and said that's a source of pride for us. It can't happen. And they looked a little bit better in that regard last game. And if that continues, like I said, the Chiefs are going to win most Sundays. Just you had these two outlier games where turnovers really cost them. Yeah, the, the rushing efficiency has been up um, amongst, I think, top five in the league in, in yards per carry. Uh, the third down efficiency has been off the charts, like historically great, 64% converting on third down. They don't even see third down so often because they are getting first downs on first and second. Now, like when you look at the increased efficiency in some areas of this offense, like how much of that do you look at individual players or how much of that do you look at what the Chiefs' sort of impetus was in the offseason, which was completely revamping that offensive line? Yeah, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes with time. I mean, you're just seeing he's way more comfortable now and – because the opposing defenses are playing the Chiefs with softer coverages and, and so deep, you're, you're seeing them ha- having to play a little bit more uh, in, the interme- in the intermediate area, and they're succeeding. I mean, it's, it's Andy Reid making adjustments to the adjustments. Um, and what I, I think is the opposing strategy here is let's make the Chiefs run more plays and maybe we can turn the ball over, and that's how we'll win the game. And so um, eventually, you know, that can work for so long, but then that's why the run game gets going, and then all of a sudden you have Tyree kill down the field late in the game. So I, I really appreciate Andy Reid because not only does he come in with the game plan, but you know he's always thinking about plan B, plan C, how we're going to come out of the locker room at halftime and maybe change it up if we need to. And uh, the Bills have a great defense, so it'll be that classic chess match, I think, between uh, Andy Reid and another one of his uh, members of the coaching tree and Sean McDermott. You know, a lot gets made about narratives and what will we be saying tomorrow if the Chiefs win? What will we be saying tomorrow if the Bills win? And I think we do have a tendency to sort of uh, overvalue like one-game samples. I think these teams could play ten times. It could be an even split. The Chiefs could win six, seven. I, I don't know. But in terms of like what this actually means for a team right now that still finds themselves at the bottom of the AFC West that looks like there's there might be more legit contenders in the AFC than we thought were going to be there at the beginning of the season, like just – what is the the level of importance for the Chiefs to just find a way to win this game in terms of what it means for them the rest of the season and accomplishing all the goals, whether it be first round by winning the AFC West, whatever, uh, just how important is it just to get that win no matter what it looks like? I mean, this is going to be a huge game when it comes to national narratives on all of the ESPN shows and the Fox shows and you know, you, know, you name it, NFL Network and People will be crowned. If the Bills were to win, people will be ready to crown them in the AFC. And generally, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are still going to be in great position, regardless of what happens Sunday night when it comes to winning the division and making the playoffs. Where it does matter, and this is tangible now, is because the Chiefs have two losses. If they were to lose this game, you're almost beginning to enter the territory in week five or week six of very little chance that they would get the AFC by. Because we think that that team's probably going to have 13 or 14 wins um, of the 17 games. You already have three losses. To expect them to go completely perfectly um, the rest of the way is one thing. But now you already have three conference losses, and you have head-to-head losses against teams that 
may be vying for that. So if you have the same record, for example, at the Buffalo Bills at the end, let's say both teams are 13-4, and four, and the Bills beat you, they're going to be the top seed. And so I think that's where it really matters. That's what's on the line tonight. If you lose this game, you're probably counting yourself out of the bye week. Um, and again, I, I think it's a measuring stick for, for both teams. Uh, are the Chiefs, you know, for, for real, are they still the top of the AFC? And now the Buffalo Bills, who everyone has been really high on even coming into the season as that next team, are they ready to take that next step and beat a team like the Chiefs on Sunday night where they play really well during primetime games, the raucous environment at Arrowhead Stadium? Are they ready to be able to win that type of football game? That's what, what, that is really truly what makes tonight so fascinating. So in a sense, it's week five, but I, I really think the five-week possibility is on the line. He is Pete Sweeney. You can check out his work at Arrowhead Pride, arrowheadpride.com. What else you got going on today? Yeah, we'll be um, updating arrowheadpride.com with, with everything. We've got a ton of preview stuff up there right now. Um, we did see a report from Peter Schrager of Fox that says that Josh Gordon is in line to go, so we posted that. You can check that out uh, later on um, leading into the game locally. I'll be on KSHB 41 prior to the coverage and then after. So uh, excited to, to do that, and I'll also join um, Bink after the game as well here, right here on 610 Sports Radio. So busy day and night ahead uh, for me, Nick. There you go, Pete. Thank you, as always, for the time, man. I appreciate it. All right. All right, that is Pete Sweeney, Arrowhead Pride. That's right. We got all sorts of stuff, arrowheadpride.com. And then, of course, being taken over pre- and post-game coming up here in, uh, in a few hours. Yeah, Josh Gordon making his debut tonight. He's... On the active roster, the depth chart, which means absolutely nothing. Andy Reid has proven that time and time again. That the depth chart, he's at the very back of the depth chart. Uh, do I think Darius Fountain or Demarcus Robinson are going to see more snaps than him? Uh, probably not. I don't know. Demarcus Robinson's like a cockroach, man, and I mean that in uh, the most complimentary way possible. You cannot kill this guy. Like year after year, people keep thinking somebody else is going to take his job. Guess what? He's out there out snapping virtually everyone, everyone at the wide receiver's position, not named Tyree Kill. Could Jordan could Gordon have a big game tonight? Uh, he might. If my dream was any omen, could see a jailbreak screen go for 20 plus yards first couple of drives. But the Ian Rappaport comments uh makes me sort of think I, I don't know. I'm going conspiracy theory with uh, exactly how much he's going to be used tonight. We'll talk about that coming up next. This is Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, hit us up. Jay's Southland Toe Service text line 913-576-7610. I want to know, what are you expecting to see from Josh Gordon tonight? Because I've heard a very wide range of predictions for what this guy is going to do. And I don't even know how many... How much he's going to be on the field? Like, is he going to be six snaps, nine snaps, ten snaps? Is he going to be the number three wide receiver on this team? It's hard to tell. Let's just go through a few things that we do know. Before we get into what we expect to see, let's go with what we already know. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, so far this season, are combining to average 191 receiving yards per game. So whenever we talk about who the number three is in the Chiefs offense, we're really talking about who the number four is because your top two guys are producing what most teams are getting from their top three guys. So let's just start right there. We all we talked all offseason about the number three. Is McCole Hardman going to be that guy? It's not really the number three. We're talking about a number four because that person is just not going to put up a ton of yardage. Uh, McCole Hardman, by the way, is actually – on pace to have his lowest receiving total of his career. The, the, the big plays haven't been there. He's one game away from maybe changing that, and it's early in the season. So I'm not going to get too far into that. When you look at like the history of a number three wide receiver under the Mahomes era, let's call it, I mean, the best season you've got from the third option would be Sammy Watkins, the Super Bowl year, had 52 catches, 670 yards, and three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Sammy Watkins <laughs> had eight touchdowns in his Kansas City career. He had, now, he was injured a lot, but I'm not saying that just to crap on Sammy Watkins. I'm saying that to say you've got two things here. You've got the fact that there has not been a relevant third option in the Chiefs passing attack in the last five years. And the flip side of that is the guy that everybody wants to talk about potentially changing that, Josh Gordon, has not been a legitimate fantasy producer since 2018. I mean, he had 40 catches that year for 720 yards and three touchdowns, and that was uh, most of which coming with uh, New England, which I think it was 11 games for New England. So... You've got two things that haven't happened in a long time, and we're wondering, okay, well, maybe those two things will both be pushed to the side, and all of a sudden, there will be a consistent third producer in the Chiefs' offense, and it will be a guy who has not been able to stay on the field for a variety of reasons, which we don't need to get into because they've been talked about ad nauseum a lot. Ian Rappaport, one of the best uh, newsbreakers in the NFL, went on NFL Network earlier this week and had this to say about Josh Gordon and what we could see from him tonight. It's going to be a package. It's not like I'm not going to pretend a guy knows the whole playbook being here two weeks. But, you know, I would expect, I don't know how many plays, but a handful. And, you know, like if he's out there, they're going to target him. Like there are going to be, there's going to be a Josh Gordon moment where everyone is like, oh, of course. wow. Like, 
Okay, okay. Listen. I just said it on the preface. Ian Rapport is one of the best newsbreakers in the NFL. What comes with that is that a lot of teams trust him. And when you get a lot of information that other people aren't privy to, generally there's a give and take there. Which means, hey, we'll give you this sort of information if you do us a solid every once in a while. So I'm going to put on my, my tinfoil hat here really quick, Grant. I am convinced that the Chiefs went to Ian Rappaport and said, hey, can you go on NFL Network at some point today and just talk about how we're probably going to have a package for Josh Gordon and we're probably going to have a couple big plays that we that we use him for? Because even if that just means the Bills have to spend an extra half hour preparing for what do we do about Josh Gordon if they bring him on the field and try to get him involved in some deep, you know, jump ball type plays, that could be the difference between you getting a little bit better and them spending time on something that's not going to happen. Because I don't, I'm not saying I'm predicting this, but I think there's a legit chance that like he doesn't see the field tonight. I mean, he's been, I mean, how many plays do you think Josh Gordon knows? How many of the Chiefs plays do you think Josh Gordon knows? I mean, maybe that doesn't matter. Like, maybe it'll be as simple as they bring him on the field and Mahomes just goes, hey, just run. Just go. If I see you, if you if you get open, I'll just chuck it up to you. Because there is a backyard football element to, to what the Chiefs do. But, like, are we really expecting him to be, like, involved in a significant way in the offense tonight? I mean, wouldn't a good production be, like, if he catches two balls for, like, 20 yards? Sure. And then he's a decoy on, like, five plays, and yeah. maybe there's a big Tyreek play there? Yeah, and that's like, the Like, that's the top end of it. And that's the decoy, is, like, okay, Tyreek's going to run up the field on this side. We're going to put you opposite him and make you at least have to respect him. Because I don't – I have no clue. Travis Kelsey spoke very glowingly of him. He said he's doing – he said it's like watching poetry in motion, like watching him run routes, saying I've never seen anybody run routes. Like maybe that's all true. Maybe that's him trying to gas him up. I don't know. Maybe it's just being a good teammate, whatever. But I mean, we haven't seen this guy on a football field in two years. I have no idea what he's going to look like. Eric Bieniemy. Chiefs offensive coordinator was asked earlier this week what we should expect to see from Josh Gordon this weekend. Josh has been working his tail off. The kid is a very, very unique athlete. He can do a lot of special things. We just want to make sure that we're bringing him along the right way. You know, uh, we want to make sure that when he's out there, he has an opportunity to be successful at the things that he can do. And the thing that I love about him, he's a very, very smart kid. He's very intelligent. Coach Joe Blaymeyer has done a great job with him. Pat and all those guys have surrounded him. They're supporting him, and they're doing a great job of lifting him up and helping him through this, this process. But the thing is, is we'll see exactly how it goes on game day, but we just want to take it one step at a time. I do love that last line there. He's like, well, the thing is, we'll see. <laughs> you know, Hey, he's doing all the right things. He's working hard. He's a smart guy. Uh, the coaches are working great with him. The teammates are working great with him. But at the end of the day, we'll see. In conclusion, who knows, right? Eric Benemy is the ultimate, like, uh, optimist. Like, he is always going to speak highly of guys. Like, and you wouldn't expect him to come out there and be like, you know what? Yeah, we've, we've got him working in practice, and he's just not he's not picking anything up. And uh, him and Mahomes haven't been on the same page. I just, I don't think this is going to work. Like, of course, he's not going to come out and say that. But the hype train's getting a little bit more out of, like, we didn't, I think fans got the hype train going for Le'Veon Bell last year. 
Like, we didn't really ever hear this sort of stuff from the coaching staff. But, like, that's the other, that's the other thing with Josh Gordon is everybody references the All-Pro year in 2013. 2013, eight years ago, by the way. 87 catches, 1,600 yards, and nine touchdowns. He averaged 117 yards per game that season. It was absurd. It was absurd. He was the best wide receiver in football. And part of me wonders, like, if he just had 87, if he had 65 catches for 1,300 yards, for 1,200 yards, that would have just been, like, a really, really good season. It still would have been a Pro Bowl season, maybe all pro. I don't know if we'd be talking about him the same way. But the fact that he wasn't just great that year, he was utterly dominant that year with, who was his quarterback in Cleveland that season? Jason Campbell. And, oh, and Brandon Whedon. He had Jason Campbell and Brandon Whedon tossing to him, and he goes for 1,600 yards. Like, it just doesn't happen. It was a truly special season. That was a long time ago. Now, if you want to be an optimist, like, he doesn't have the same wear and tear on a guy who's been playing for the last eight years, but there's a reason for that. It's because he's dealt with a litany of issues off the field that have kept him from being Somebody that you can rely upon. Will that be different this time around? Everybody's saying all the right things inside the organization. Maybe it will be a a really productive and a great comeback story for Gordon this year. As for tonight, I'm tempering my expectations for just how much he's going to see the field. I know they want him to be that guy, to hopefully be a legitimate third option that can keep defenses honest, that can keep them from doing what L.A. did two weeks ago where they basically just said, hey, we've got a guy in Derwin James. Yeah, he's one of the few people in the league who can guard Travis Kelsey one-on-one. That gives us the opportunity to now double Tyree Kill. It was a really effective defensive game plan. If you can have just someone like Sammy Watkins was, Sammy Watkins wasn't super productive, but you had to respect him. Great route runner, and if you were going to dare... Mahomes to throw to to, try, to Sammy Watkins all day. Like he had that game week one last year. What was it? 198 yards, three touchdowns. Like you just need to be a threat. You just need to be somebody the defenses respect so that you can do the things you actually want to do on offense. All right, we got half about about a half an hour left here in Bink Sunday, 610 Sports Radio. Coming up next, how good has Josh Allen been this year? And how good does he have to be tonight if the Bills are going to pull off the win against the Chiefs? You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. This is Bing Sunday, 610 Sports Radio. I am Nick Schwartz. He is Grant Nicholson. If you would like to join the show, you can always give us a call or a text on the Jay's Southland Toast Service text line. That is 913-576-7610. First game of the day in the books. Falcons beat the Jets over in London. Uh, every single person on the NFL panel picked the Jets to win. I love those screenshots. <laughs> Everybody does the game predictions, and then uh, oh, they're all wrong. It really wasn't all that close. A good slate of games today. Most of the good ones are in the afternoon, though. Uh, Packers-Bengals at noon. That'll be good. I uh, will see how legit Joey Burrow and the Bengals are. That's a two-and-a-half-point line. The Packers were in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers is the reigning NFL MVP. I'm not saying that. It's going to be a blowout, but, like, the Bengals just snuck past the Jaguars on Thursday night football. So, I don't really know about that. Speaking of the Jaguars, Tennessee is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Jacksonville. Uh, You know, I don't don't know. Like, the whole Urban Meyer thing, um, you know, digging for gold there at that that bar, which I guess is his bar in Columbus last week, the viral video, he issues the apology – doesn't look like there's going to be any punishment. I kind of went back and forth. At first, I was like, there's no way any player in that locker room is ever going to respect him again. But then I started to think about the fact that, okay, you're 0-4. Maybe you've already lost the team. Maybe the team already said this guy isn't over his head, doesn't know what he's doing, which there were reports early in the season that he didn't. But there's part of me that thinks that, like, these guys just don't care. Like, they may not like him as a coach. They may not respect him. But is that does that mean they're all going to just, like, mail it in now? Does that it depend? I, I think it depends on what kind of player you are. Like if you're Trevor Lawrence, like you're starting your NFL career, like you don't. I mean, you may not like the guy, but you're still gonna play. Like you're still trying to get yours. If you're a leader in that locker room, I, I can't imagine that you're going to like encourage like dissension among the ranks and everybody to just sort of like throw in the towel on their guys. Like there are there are probably are dudes who are just like, we're 0-4, this season's over, we're the worst team in the league, whatever, I hate my coach, I'm on a contract year, I'm not going to be here next year. Like there, there are probably guys in there, but the idea that the Jaguars are just going to give up because they don't like their coach, and most of them probably just don't care. Most of them probably do not care. They probably think it's funny. Like it's one thing, like, like the, the John Gruden stuff, like when you're – making racial epithets or not even an epithet, but like making racial jokes about Demora Smith, like that to me would be like, I don't want to be around this mf -er. Like I don't, this, I I don't respect this coach. I don't want to be around him. I don't want him in the locker room. Like I don't want him to have a job. That's different with the Urban Meyer stuff. It's just like, this guy's an idiot and whatever. Like I still want to go play and win games. Now the Jags may just be so bad that it won't matter. Uh, But that'd be, that's just, it's interesting to me to see how that's going to go. Uh, with Urban. And it was funny watching press conferences earlier this week when, like, the press finally stopped asking him questions about it. And he's talking about Trevor Lawrence's development. It's like, man, honestly, I just don't even want to hear you talk about anything football-related the rest of the season. No one was in his ears just like, hey, stop talking. <laughs> like, talk about anything else. Talk about football. Talk about running backs. Like, 
Why are you bringing up Trevor Lawrence, man? <laughs> yeah, they were like, hey, what are, you, what are you seeing in Trevor Lawrence's development? He's probably, like, breathing a sigh of relief. Like, finally, I can, I can talk about this. It, it's hilarious. I mean, Thursday night football, you, you, you get up big, you lose, and then you send the rest of the team back on the flight. Like, okay, I'll, I'll catch up with you guys in Jacksonville. I got the weekend off, so I'm, uh, I'm going to stay out here, hang out with some of my old uh, hometown buddies, and uh, reluctantly get grinded upon by a woman uh, very much younger than me and very much not my wife. But the idea that, like, these players are going to be angry at Urban Meyer, why? They don't care. They may not respect him, but I don't think they're angry with Urban Meyer. Like, the stuff in in Vegas is probably a a bit of a different situation. Uh, A lot about this matchup tonight. Chiefs, Bills, Sunday Night Football is going to be about the quarterbacks. Josh Allen, second in MVP voting last year. Tremendous jump from one year to the next. A lot of the question is going to be about, like, not just how much have the Bills closed the gap in the AFC, because there's some, there's a lot of people. And I'm not even saying it's unjustified to say that you think the Bills may be the better team, the more complete team, because they've certainly got a better defense. I still think there is a significant gulf between the Bills' offense and the Chiefs offense. Like the Bills offense is improved, I think because they're not relying upon Josh Allen to be Superman this year. But like Josh Allen so far through four weeks and against four bad teams has not been a world beater. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions. So the raw numbers look pretty good. Uh, The completion percentage is down a little bit from where it was at a season ago. And again, he hasn't been asked to do very much. We talked earlier in the show about one area where the Bills are due for regression. And it's the offensive efficiency. Because there has been no team, no offense, I should say, in the NFL that has benefited more from playing against terrible quarterbacks who make bad decisions. The Bills have faced Ben Roethlisberger, Jacoby Brissett, Taylor Heineke, and Davis Mills. It's probably four of the bottom 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. And in the case of Davis Mills and Big Ben, like I think those are two of the absolute very worst quarterbacks in the league this year. Now, you've done your job. What, like The thing about, oh, oh, well, they haven't played anybody. Well, they, they're kicking their ass. Like They're not just beating teams. They're killing teams. That's what you do. That's what good teams are supposed to do against bad teams. You don't completely negate everything they've done because they have been annihilating these teams. But when your path to victory and your path to success has involved relying upon bad quarterbacks to make bad decisions, I wonder how much of that is repeatable against the Chiefs offense, who has a good quarterback who often makes very good decisions. In fact, uh, historically great at avoiding turnovers. Now this year feels like it's been a bit of an anomaly. Costly turnover at the end of the Baltimore game. A couple of bad picks uh, in the L.A. game. Had one pick last week, but then what do you do? Five touchdowns the rest of the game. You got to ask yourself, do you think Mahomes is going to be a guy that just turns the ball over now? Or has what we've seen through the first month of the season been more of an outlier than what is to be expected the rest of the way? I know how I feel. I know how probably you feel as well. But if the Chiefs aren't going to be giving the ball 
to the Bills around midfield. That is their average starting field position for scoring drives is their own 46-yard line. So on average, they're having to go 54 yards to put points on the board. It's the best in the league. Best average starting field position in the league. They've also, last week, against an abysmal Houston team, had three consecutive drives that started at midfield, at the Houston 48, and at the Houston 43 that all ended in field goals. What have we said for three years about the Chiefs now? You can't kick field goals against them. That's why we've seen Baltimore late in the game going for it on fourth down. That's why we saw week three, L.A., late in the game going for it on fourth down. Because teams have learned. You settle for field goals against the Chiefs, you're going to lose. You're going to get to the end of the game and realize that that was the difference between you winning the game and losing the game. Teams are wisening up. They're doing it all over. Everybody's going for it more on fourth down. The Bills, we'll see. You can settle for field goals against Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. You can't do it against the Chiefs. And I'm not saying that, that Josh Allen, like, like it, it's such a, he's such a polarizing quarterback to talk about because you either buy into him or you think it's all pixie dust. I'm not really on board with either of those things. I think he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL who also has been somewhat underwhelming. And I wonder, like, the, the, the big question I have is, can he be anything other than great if the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs tonight. Like, can Josh Allen be average? Can Josh Allen, I mean, just looking at some of the games he's played, look at his last game against Houston. Again, didn't have to do much. They won that game 40 to nothing last week. Completed 66% of his passes, 248 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I don't think that gets the job done against the Chiefs. Because I know what I think Mahomes is going to do. And I think if the Bills are going to pull off the upset in Arrowhead Stadium, Josh Allen has to be 2020 Josh Allen. The guy who's liable to go for four touchdowns and then rush for 70 yards and maybe punch another one in on the ground. And, hey, if you're looking for an opportunity to do that, the Chiefs' defense looks ripe for the picking. But that's what it's going to take. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying that's what's going to need to happen if the Buffalo's going to win. And based off what we saw from Josh Allen in those two games against Kansas City last week, I don't think that's necessarily a given. It's about a quarter till noon. You are listening to Bink Sunday with Grant Nichols and I'm Nick Schwartz. This is 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Tonight just kind of has that feeling, man. It has the feeling of one of those Andy Reid, here's my A-plus game plan. Patrick Mahomes, here's my FU. I'm still the number one quarterback in the world type performances. Now, I felt the same way about Baltimore, but the difference between then and this game was the Chiefs were 1-0 going into that game. Like, nobody was really counting them out. And they lost two games. Mahomes didn't play great in either of them. And the Bills are different. Like, I don't think the Chiefs really have a rival. You have, like, somebody has to, like, get the better of you to, to be a rival. And I guess maybe the Ravens took a step in that direction. But Bills haven't looked great against the Chiefs. 
But I think the weird part is that the Bills have looked so good to start this season. Chiefs are sitting there at two and two, that that might be just enough motivation for Mahomes to say, you know what, really? Okay, you think these are the guys? Oh, you think that you think they're, they've usurped us in the AFC? We'll see about that. I'm Nick Schwartz. He's Grant Nicholson. This is Bink Sunday on 610 Sports Radio. Just uh, a few minutes left in the show, but I, I, I think the Bills are due for some regression. I think that just some of the numbers, the Chiefs, the, the offensive efficiency, when they're not turning the ball over, they're putting points on the board at a staggering rate. Converting on 64% of their third downs. They have less third down attempts than everybody in the league. They are the only team in the league with no fourth down attempts. Tommy Townsend has, what, six punts? I'm not kidding, dude. I'm not kidding. If he forgot there was a game tonight and didn't show up to the stadium, how many people notice? Like, in the locker room. Does Dave Tobe notice? Is he taking attendance? Like, I think at some point, if they looked to punt, he would turn around and say, hey, Tommy, you're in. Hey, Tommy? Hey, where the hell? Like, I, and, I, and honestly, I don't even think they'd be that mad. And you'd be like, oh, you know, we'll just, you know, we'll go for it. They haven't went for it once this year. I saw the Dolphins. The Dolphins were dead last in the NFL last year in fourth down attempts. They went for it 10 times all year. They've already went for it 10 times this year. They're number one in the league in fourth down attempts. Everybody across the league is getting more aggressive on fourth down. And we've seen it specifically against the Chiefs. Teams know they cannot settle for field goals. I think teams are just wisening up, too. They understand uh, all the advanced metrics, all the predictive measures tell you that in these fourth and short situations, even like the fourth and four, like keep your offense on the field. More often than not, you're going to benefit from it. You're going to put points on the board. You're going to give yourself a better chance at winning. But I do wonder, like, how much of that is a direct reflection of the Chiefs? Because we're seeing that in so many different ways, especially in the AFC. And tonight is the best example of them all. The Bills have made no secret about the fact that the moves they've made over the last two years are specific to competing with and trying to beat the Chiefs. I think their last top four picks in the draft, not including Josh Allen, have been pass rushers. Going out, making free agent acquisitions to bolster their defense. Like, it's all been specific to trying to slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. We'll see if it works. Again, one game isn't enough of a sample size to make any declarative statements as to exactly how far they've come, but that's what they're doing. But if that is the reality of your organization where you're just saying, you know what, this isn't just about us being competitive and us competing for Super Bowls. Specifically, it's about us being able to field the team that can compete with Kansas City. The reality for Josh Allen then is that you have to, whether it's said to you or you just figure it out on your own, is that, well, if that's what the organization wants, then I guess that means that they expect me to be on the level of Patrick Mahomes. And he was last year, the same way that Lamar Jackson was two years ago. And Lamar's been great this year. Uh, I think Josh Allen's been, been good, not as great as he was a season ago. But, like, this is – think about what this game means for him. If he plays like he did in those two games last year against Kansas City, like, the, the book's going to be over. We're, we're all collectively going to say that it's just – it's not going to happen with him. He can't, 
he can't rise to the occasion. Meanwhile, like Mahomes has made a career of it, not just being great, but being great in these sorts of games. I really, I think, like, honest prediction, whatever, you think the Chiefs are going to win, you think the Chiefs are going to lose. What I think is almost inarguable is that this is, I think the over is at 56 and a half. I know there maybe could be some rain coming late, but this has the feeling of, like, I, I don't know if you watched the Ole Miss-Arkansas game, like the Texas-Oklahoma game. Yesterday was an awesome day of college football. Last team with the ball wins. One of the quarterbacks makes a costly turnover in the fourth quarter. The other team wins. Whoever has the ball with two minutes to go, drive down the field, kick a field goal, punch it in for a touchdown. Uh, that's probably going to be the team that gets out of there with the victory. But this is one of those games where, like I said, I think we have a tendency to overhype and overanalyze these one-game sample sizes. But tonight, tonight feels like one of those games where the hype is actually justified for what it means, not just narrative-wise, but for what it means for the Chiefs' chances of accomplishing their goals, for getting a a first-round bye, for winning the AFC West. You lose tonight, and both of those things become pretty unrealistic. But again, these are the types of games where Mahomes and the Chiefs historically have stood up and said, you know what, don't count us out quite, quite yet. We're still that same team you thought we were. Big thanks to Pete Sweeney for joining the show today. For Grant Nicholson, I am Nick Schwert. That's going to do it for Bink Sunday. Chiefs pregame starts at 4 o'clock right here. 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to Bink Sunday on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.